0: Hello, hello. If you are an ambitious female professional who wants to up-level your voice and your confidence, I have a super important announcement that you are not going to want to miss. Right now, enrollment is open for my signature coaching program, The Art of Speaking Up Academy. If you are looking for a simple but powerful step-by-step process to help you learn to speak like an executive, and to help you feel more badass and unstoppable deep down inside, this is the program for you. To learn more, head over to jessguzikcoaching.com slash academy. Enrollment is open through Wednesday, March 20th. That's Jess Guzik, jessguzik, J-E-S-S-G-U-Z-I-K, coaching.com slash academy. All right let's get on to the episode. Change happens most fluidly and smoothly and sustainably when we embark on that change alongside another human. When you show up as a leader, people treat you differently, right? Like they interact with you differently, and then you become more effective because of the way they're interacting with you. But that happened because through your behavior, your choices, your confidence, you're taking up space, you're showing up powerfully in the meeting, you taught them to treat you like a leader because you acted like one. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that helps professional women access the limitless potential that lies within them. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And my mission is to help you find that spark inside you that has the power to transform your career in ways you may not have thought possible. I'm so excited that you're here. And now, on to the show. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so excited to record today's episode because we're going to be talking about a topic that I feel so passionately about, so strongly about, and a topic that is so important for the future of your career, and that is the topic of functioning as a leader in the meeting room. This is a concept that is part of the curriculum of the Art of Speaking Up Academy. It is a huge core part of my coaching philosophy And it's this idea that you can be just a regular participant in a meeting room, or you can be showing up as a leader. And when you're showing up as a leader, you have much bigger impact. You tend to make a much more powerful impression. And people really view you as someone with authority, someone they can look to with questions, right? And as that happens, your career really starts to take off because. When you show up as a leader, people treat you differently, right? Like they interact with you differently and then you become more effective because of the way they're interacting with you. But that happened because through your behavior, your choices, your confidence, you're taking up space, you're showing up powerfully in the meeting, you taught them to treat you like a leader because you acted like one. And so today what I'm really talking about is how to do that and equipping you with the tools to act as a leader in meeting rooms, which of course requires courage, requires speaking up, requires finding your voice. It requires all of the things that I talk about on this show. But it also requires you to understand what it means to function as a leader in in a room, like what that actually is, because the more deeply you understand it, the more easily you will access it within yourself. And if you want to advance in your career and become a leader and move into bigger leadership roles, this is absolutely something that you need to be able to do is to put on the leader hat and engage and interact with your stakeholders from that perspective. So that's what I'm going to be diving into today. This is an extension of my episode last week where I shared the difference between brain versus hands in a meeting. And so go back and listen to that because that will lay the foundation for what it means to be very tactical execution focused, focused on dispensing information, focused on having the answers versus to be in the room as a problem solver, to be someone who's more agile, to be someone who can drive results, even if you don't have the answers or have a perfectly memorized script for your meeting or have memorized every last bit of information or spent all the time prepping and reading the articles and getting up to speed, like knowing that you can use your brain to be a brain and that you're powerful and savvy and resourceful and smart enough to drop into the meeting and be able to get to the outcome that's best for the meeting, regardless of whether you've memorized everything or prepared for a million hours or have all the answers. You must go listen to that episode because this really builds upon that. And I'm walking you through how to be the brain in a meeting and what it really means to be acting as a leader in the room, which is so wildly important and impactful in one's career. And I'm excited. And I have an invite for you. I have an invite for you to my four day Art of Speaking Up challenge. I am very excited because I've never done a challenge before. So I'm gonna be opening doors to the Art of Speaking Up Academy in November. Early enrollment will open up on November 1st. And because early enrollment is opening on November 1st and the launch is coming up, I always do something special for the launch of the Art of Speaking Up Academy. So we'll do like a free course or like a free bonus audio series. And this launch, I'm doing a challenge. So it's going to happen from October 21st to October 27th. We're all going to go through it together, right? It's going to happen simultaneously. And every day you're going to get a challenge from me, like a prompt, a challenge prompt to help you grow your confidence. I really want to like light that fire in you to believe in yourself, to believe that you have the potential to find your voice and build that powerful presence in meetings. And I want to help you develop your communication skills. And start to really make your communication toolbox and skill set a little bit more sophisticated so that you can walk into meetings knowing you have that sophisticated tool set. Because that gives you that extra little bit of swagger. Like when you know that your communication is good, you have that feeling inside of like, I've got the good stuff. Like I'm doing this and I want you to have that feeling so that it can fuel you to take up space and take risks and get noticed. And that's what I'm going to be supporting you with in this challenge. It is totally free. And I am going in with a fierce intention to make it wildly effective for you and also very fun, motivating, and inspirational because I know that to have an impact on your growth I need to light the fire. <laughs> and so that's what I'm going to be trying to do. And that is my intention for this challenge. So I hope you'll join me and the community in going through it. Like I said, it is totally free, but you do have to be signed up. So head over to justguessicoaching.com slash free resources to sign up and join us in the challenge. And I mentioned that the Art of Speaking Up Academy will be enrolling in November. So mark your calendars. Early enrollment will open November 1st. And to access early enrollment, you have to be on the wait list. And so if you know that you're interested in the academy, if this is the round that you're going to say yes, if now is the time to make that deeper commitment to your professional development and to grow your confidence and finally get your communication skills to the level that you desire, I recommend jumping on the waitlist because the waitlist will be offered early enrollment, which means you'll get to sign up before doors open to the entire community, and you will get the best deal on tuition as an early enrollee. If you would like to join the waitlist for the Academy, head over to com slash academy, and I will catch you on there. And now let's talk about being a leader in the room. I talked in last week's episode about hands versus brain. And what it means to be a brain is you're showing up in the room as a CEO. So I want to just share this kind of idea with you to really help you wrap your mind around this because this idea has helped this concept click for so many of my clients and I think it'll help it click for you as well. I want you to think about the company you work at and I want you to think about like all of the different meetings that are happening throughout your company within a day, right? Like everyone's calendar is combined into one master calendar and imagine like how many meetings are happening at 9 a.m. and 10 a.m. and 11 a.m. And, you know, there's lots of rooms and conversations and there's big meetings and small meetings and workshops and presentations and working sessions. I want you to imagine all the vastness of those rooms. And of course, those rooms are filled with employees. And I want you to think about what it might be like if the CEO of your company Went like on a little tour (laughs) of the meetings. So like they kind of like dropped in on different meetings throughout the day with the intention of providing leadership, guidance, and support, right? So they drop into the meeting. They might not know much about the subject matter, right? It might be something that they are not in the weeds of that they don't know about, but they drop into the meeting anyway to see if they can help. And I want you to really think about what would they do? What would they say? Would they help? Would they be productive? Now, I think most of us can pretty easily imagine, yeah, I think it would help to have the brain of the CEO in our meeting helping us out, right? But what's interesting is that when the CEO drops into a meeting of some of the people at the company, they probably don't know the details of every single project and thing that's happening at the company. In fact, they're probably removed from most of the details. And yet, they can drop into any of those meetings, literally any of like the probably hundreds of meetings that are happening at your company in a day, and they can help a lot and add a ton of value, right? It's not because they know the details. It's not because that they're familiar with the piece of work. It's because they're functioning as a brain. And I share this because I really want you to wrap your mind around what it means to function as a brain in a meeting. It's when you bring the problem solving, you bring the resourcefulness, you bring the leadership, and you bring so much of that that it doesn't matter if you have subject matter expertise or not. This is why a CEO could probably add value in a lot of those rooms because they're bringing so much damn brain with them that it doesn't matter if they're not fully up to speed. They're going to get the foundations that they need and they're going to find the places to add value. This is the mindset that I want you to have. I want you to always think about yourself as the CEO dropping in on the meeting who has no context, who isn't in the weeds, but who is going to add a ton of value anyway, not through their expertise, not through being hands, if you listen to the hands versus brain episode, but through being a brain. And today, what I want to walk you through is how you do that, how you get in that mindset, and some of the practical actions that you would take that would help you function as a CEO. And when you start doing this consistently, you will see such an impact in the rooms you're in. It will feel different, right? Like when I talk about being powerful, this is what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about feeling confident all the time. I'm not talking about never fumbling your words, right? Like I'm not talking about perfectionism and feeling the best and amazing and never having imposter syndrome. I'm talking about showing up as a leader. When you are in that space, acting as a leader and adding value in meetings from that perspective, you begin to feel so powerful, right? And it's it's not about all of those surface level things. Like, yes, I want you to have the powerful, effective voice. I want you to sound bold and commanding, of course. But that's going to come as a side effect of seeing yourself as being as capable, as resourceful, as smart, as savvy as a CEO. This is where that's going to come from. And people feel this when you are showing up in a meeting room and adding value as if you are a CEO and really committed to helping everyone move forward towards results, People sense this and they treat you with more respect. They defer to you, right? They stop asking you to do some of the tasks that probably don't fit with the level that you're in professionally, right? You get asked to do the high visibility, more complex things because people are viewing you as a leader, And so I really want to help you get into this leadership mindset. I want to help you be brain, not hands in meetings. You really want to get out of the habit of acting as hands, both in meetings and in your career overall, because when you become very hands-focused, you tend to plateau in mid-level roles, whereas when you're leaning heavily on brain, you're being that CEO, you're showing up with that leadership energy you become more valuable to your company in a higher role, right? So brain versus hands. Hands people are just like focused on cranking out the next thing, having the answers, memorizing everything, but they're not thinking top down like a leader. They're not laser focused on impact results and leadership. They're just in execution mode. People who are in hands mode, who are in heavy execution mode, are most valuable to a company in a mid to lower level role. If someone pumps things out and is a great executor, it is not in your company's interest to promote that person to a role where they're not going to be executing to a role where they're going to be leading, right? Whereas when someone has is is being a brain, right? And they're a very good leader. They're great at problem solving. They're thinking of end results. They're thinking of value and they're not just in execution mode. It doesn't make sense to keep that person in middle management. It makes sense to put that person in a leadership position where they can do more of the leading. So this is so important for you to understand. Hands, practical execution, being focused on having all the answers, not thinking of yourself as a CEO with a sophisticated CEO problem-solving toolkit and capability tends to keep you in mid-level positions longer, whereas acting as a brain, being in that CEO energy, being confident in your problem-solving and allowing that to guide how you do your work and how you participate in meetings, that incentivizes your company to move you upwards. And I'm sharing this because every meeting is a place where you're going to be part hands, part brain, and the more that you can be brain— the more meetings become a place where the leaders in your company start to connect in your minds. Oh, the capabilities that she's demonstrating in this meeting room tell me that her skill set fits really well with a leadership role. Her skill set fits really well with this bigger project. Her skill set fits really well with this more complicated, high visibility opportunity. It is through you acting as brain, bringing that CEO energy to meetings that helps them make that connection. I just laughed because when I said you acting as brain, I thought of brain from Pinky and the Brain. But I kind of like that analogy because brain, he's like the mastermind character of the show. And that's kind of who you want to be in meetings, right? So we can really, we can think of hands versus brain a little bit as like Pinky and the Brain. Who do you want running the company, Pinky or the Brain? We want you to be the brain. Okay, so how do you be the brain? So I'm going to tell you the most important thing about showing up in leadership energy, acting like a CEO and being brain, not hands. And that is that the CEO and the person acting as the brain and being the leader in the room is laser focused on one thing. And that one thing is results. It's as if they see a finish line ahead. And all they are thinking is like, we just need to cross that finish line and I am here to help us do that, right? And no matter what comes up, what gets in the way, that's not a problem. I'm just gonna keep asking myself, how can I get us closer to the finish line? Now, some practical pieces of what this actually looks like and what you will want to be thinking about doing when you're in meetings so that you can exude this quality is I want you to think about making a few key pivots that will help you act more like a brain and less like hands. And before I get into the pivots, let, let me just share the first pivot, which is like a bonus pivot. This is not in my notes, but it's really important. The first pivot you have to make is a mindset pivot where you're like, I'm willing to believe That I'm a fantastic problem solver. I'm willing to believe that I have an executive leadership skill set inside me. I'm willing to believe that my value in this meeting doesn't just come from like reading the articles and memorizing my talking points and like all of this handsy kind of stuff, but it actually comes from my intellect, from my problem solving, from my brain, right? You have to be willing to believe that you have that capability in you. And I want you to focus on these three shifts. To help you move from hands to brain so that you can not only be more effective in meetings and so that you can not only feel more powerful in meetings, but so that you can act in meetings in a way that gets you on an accelerated path to leadership. So the first pivot I want you to make is pivoting away from sharing information and pivoting towards directing progress, Right? So when we are in a meeting, the goal is to get to a result. So if we're sharing information, we're sharing it, not for the sake of sharing it, but we're sharing it to get to a result. So I don't want you to think about your meetings as a place where you're like, I'm here to tell everyone all this stuff. I want you to think of your meetings as a place where you're like, I'm here to get everyone to a result. And maybe the result that I need to get everyone to requires me to share a bunch of stuff with them but the purpose of a meeting should never be just to share stuff, right? There should always be a finish line and you should always be thinking about what that finish line is because that is going to inform the stuff that you share and how you share it. And also... This is a pivot that helps you not need to have all the answers, right? Because when you go into the meeting thinking, oh, I'm there to share information, then you're like, well, I have to be able to answer every question. Because if I'm there to share information and I don't have the information, what's my value? You know, like, wh- who am I to run this meeting, right? You're not there to share information, you're there to get a result. So if someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer and you don't have the information for them, that doesn't have to stop you from getting the result. What's the purpose of the meeting? What's the purpose of their question? Just figure out, hmm, how can I get that result, right? It usually doesn't mean that you have to have all of the answers. If it did, CEOs would be like so useless in most meetings that they're in because they don't know the information. Like they're learning some of it on the spot. They're missing. There's holes in their knowledge, right? Right. How are they able to do their job? It's because they're really good at directing. They're really good at figuring out what's the goal, what are we trying to do, why are we all sitting here, and how do we move towards it? So that's the first shift I want you to make, is don't think of yourself, especially for the meetings that you're leading, and especially for the meetings where you're asked to contribute. Shift from thinking, I have to share the information. Instead, think, I'm directing us towards a result. That is so important. The second shift that I want you to think about making is the shift from responding, like responding to other people, into driving and driving towards a solution, right? So for example, let's say someone asks you a question and you don't know the answer. If you're in a mindset of like, I'm here to respond to everyone and give everyone the answers that they want, and they ask you a question and you don't know the answer, you might panic because you think your job is to respond. You think your job is to give them the answer. However, your job is not to respond. Your job is to drive towards a solution. And you're probably sensing a theme in this, right? It's that finish line that you're moving towards. So if someone asks you something and you don't know the answer, that's okay. Because you're not just there to respond, you're there to drive towards a solution. And you can help drive towards a solution with that person without having the answer in the spot in that meeting, right? Just like the CEO can be in a meeting and get asked a question that they do not yet know the answer to and still answer it confidently, like give a confident response and help close the loop on that after the meeting if that is a necessary step. So that is the second pivot. And the third pivot, and and honestly, like all three of these pivots are very similar, right? Like they're all like close cousins and all really closely related, but it's the pivot from going from being all-knowing and thinking, like, I'm here for my knowledge to being a problem solver. I'm here for my brain, right? So when we're all-knowing, we think, I'm here to tell people the information. I'm here to have the answer. And that is one of the most limiting thoughts that you can have because anyone can have the answers. Anyone can read the article. Anyone can memorize the facts. Like that actually doesn't require a lot of leadership. It doesn't really require a deeper thinking or directing people. It really just requires you to like literally spend more time preparing, right? It's about putting in hours. It's about the execution. It's about the hands, The brain is there to problem solve, to find solutions, to look at obstacles and say, how can I clear this and get myself closer to the finish line? So I don't want you to go into a meeting measuring success by how much you know and how prepared you are. I want you to measure success based on how savvy of a problem solver you're being and how much determination you are bringing to getting everyone in that room towards and across the finish line. This will make you so much more effective. And this is often the shift that helps people start seeing you as an authority. So many women deal with this struggle where they're doing hard work and people aren't viewing them as an authority and they can't figure out why. And there are a lot of reasons why that happens. But one of the reasons is because they're functioning as hands. They're not seeing themselves as a leader. They're not viewing themselves as bringing that CEO problem solving. They're coming in with the answers. They're coming in with the prepared bullet points. They're coming in memorizing everything. They're coming in over prepared. But those things aren't what are going to make people perceive you as a leader. What's going to make people perceive you as a leader is you perceiving yourself as a leader. And when you perceive yourself as a leader and you're in confidence and you're in belief and you're in your own version of CEO energy, you're not going to spend 20 hours preparing. You're going to spend whatever time preparing you feel is actually the effective amount of time. And then you're going to walk into that room with the confidence that you can handle and resolve anything that gets thrown at you, even if it's something that you haven't prepared for. And when you're in that space and you start showing up from that space, people will begin to view and treat you as an authority. And I know it can be scary to jump into that playground and to be like, I'm going to believe in myself. I'm going to feel my CEO energy. But listen, you have to take that scary leap of being willing to believe before it's there. You have to be willing to go to that vulnerable, terrifying place that you maybe really don't want to go to where you believe in yourself before you've arrived there and you treat yourself and think and try to act like a leader before that skill set is fully developed because you're not going to be able to develop the skill set in your head by just thinking about it. You're not going to be able to develop the skill set just by listening to all the podcast episodes. You're going to develop the skill set by testing it out, bringing it into the world, by having the courage to start to show up and treat yourself like a leader and act like a leader in those meeting rooms. And Take away the security blanket and the coping mechanism of over-preparing, having all the information, having all the answers, and focus on building the courage to not over-prepare not have all the information and not have all the answers. And I'm not telling you to like go into meetings underprepared, but there is a level of preparation that we do as our most confident selves. And then there is a level of preparation that we do from a place of inadequacy or fear. And those are two very different things. And as we learn to prepare in a way that's not driven by fear, This is where your stress levels go down, right? Like this is where your job takes less hours. This is where things become simplified because you're putting, you're right sizing the amount of preparation and effort you're putting into things and you're not compensating for a lack of courage and confidence. You're not compensating for that lack with more preparation and more effort. So you feel more powerful in your job, and you don't get sucked into these like time-wasting spirals of overdoing and overworking while also not being recognized and promoted and rewarded, right? So you really have to have that courage to step into that CEO energy before you're there. And to be totally honest with you, Every single major like promotion and accomplishment that I achieved in my career, maybe with the exception of one promotion, every other pivot where I up-leveled into something new and super exciting and like super appealing and super awesome, I was not ready. I did not have the skill set. I did not have the confidence, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it anyway because I want this outcome and I'm willing to take the risk. So you have to be willing to jump in, willing to go there and figure it out along the way. Now, I'm a firm believer, and this is what I do in my own life. This is how I have approached my career and other areas of my life. I am a firm believer to not do that alone. I think taking a risk and showing up big and taking up space and acting like a leader before you feel like one and when you're still feeling the doubt and the smallness, I think that's an incredibly hard thing to do. And I just don't think that as a human living in this human world, which can be really hard to navigate, I personally don't think it's the best idea to just try to do that alone and put all the pressure on yourself, right? I think having support, having a soft place to land, having encouragement, having a place to go on the days that feel hard, and having a place to go on the days that feel good so you can celebrate those wins— I think it is such an important element of the process. It's almost like a form of self-care in a way. If you are going to be challenging yourself and doing things that feel edgy and scary, what are you gonna do to make sure that you feel cared for and seen and supported and held through the difficulty of that process? That is why I'm so damn passionate about coaching and I'm so passionate about the work that I do because I've seen over and over that reaching for something scary, taking up more space, taking a risk, showing up bigger is so much more feasible, so much more doable, so much more manageable when we have support. This is something that I resisted in my life for years. I wanted to do everything on my own. I took pride in doing things by myself. I took pride in not needing help. I thought I was better than other people. I thought I was smarter than other people and that I shouldn't need help and support. And my career and my life drastically changed and took off, and my confidence experienced such dramatic growth when I finally let go of that. And not only did I pursue getting help and support for my goals and my dreams and my life and my confidence— Not only did I allow support, but I got a ton of it. I allowed myself to get all of the support I desired in all of the different areas because as soon as I dipped one toe in, I was like, wow, this is game-changing. I feel so much more stable. I feel so much better. I feel so much more held. I feel like I can take on the world with this supportive infrastructure beneath me, and it has become Foundational to my life. And it's why I do this work because change happens when we are supported. It is very, very hard to experience meaningful, lasting change without any form of support. And this is backed up by psychology. I have been going on this deep journey into the world of developmental psychology and psychoanalysis because I want to be really effective as a coach. And I want to be able to handle whatever a client brings to me, Of course, as long as it's within the scope of my competence, if it's not, then they have to work with a different type of professional. But within the scope of my competence as a coach, I want to be able to support my clients very deeply in the work that we do. And so I have been embarking on this journey of learning how to support other humans through the process of change and through the process of growing their confidence. And what I have learned through that journey is that we we think in our culture and in our society, we think change happens from information. We think that we change by learning something, consuming information, reading a book, listening to a podcast. And this is partly a result of our very hyper-individualistic culture, especially, I know there are those of you listening all in different places of the world, but in the US we have this very like individualistic type of culture. And so we think that change happens alone, but actually what human psychology tells us is that change happens most fluidly and smoothly and sustainably when we embark on that change alongside another human. Because as humans, we are wired to connect with each other. We are wired to understand ourselves through the perspective of other people. So when we are trying to change, if we have other people to help us reflect back where we are and help guide us to where we're going, we are more able to get from point A to point B and more able to cross that finish line than if we try to do it by ourselves. It's just how we're wired. We are social creatures. Change happens relationally. It happens in community. That is why I love this work, and that is why I do what I do, and that is why I really encourage you to think about what is important for you in your career and think about whether you have the proper support and infrastructure to help you with that change. And if you don't, and if you want to build that, I want to invite you to come work with me inside one of my programs because... I will be able to offer you not just the tools but a space that is conducive to your change. It is my spaces I I don't want to say that they're safe because we can't guarantee that a space is safe but I design my work and I design my programs so that my clients feel as safe as possible, as quickly as possible, it takes time to feel safe and build trust because ultimately we need that safety, that sense of belonging, right? Like that sense of like, this is a space for you. That's something that, as humans, we really need to feel that in order to have the courage to open up about our struggles and the courage to embark on a real change process. And that is, I think, one of the most powerful things that I bring to my work. Obviously, in addition to my corporate skills, in addition to my communication skills, in addition to all the tools that I bring from my professional experience, from my theater experience, from all the different experience I have, I bring a lot of things. But I think one of the most powerful, potent things I bring is an understanding of how to create a space where you will be so supported that you can show up in this bigger way and take these risks in your professional life without it having to feel so scary, without feeling so alone in it. It just feels so different when you have that like deep web of support beneath you. And I say this because I'm opening doors to the Art of Speaking Up Academy next month. And if now is your time to join, I really encourage you to consider joining because this is the type of situation where the change that you're theorizing in your mind can start to become real in your day-to-day life. If you're interested, and if now is the time, join the waitlist for the Art of Speaking Up Academy. You can go to jessgazetcoachingcom academy. I'll link it below. If you're on the wait list, you will get access to early enrollment, which opens November 1st, super excited about that. And come join me in the four day challenge where we will come together for four days and you will get to deepen your confidence building process. I really want to fire you up, inspire you, motivate you, and also teach you some communication tools that will help you in your career and help you make a really strong impression in meetings. So I hope you will join me in both of those. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This was such a fun one and I'll catch you next week. Bye.